Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of Touring the Multiverse. This is the first limited series of the It's a Mimic podcast where I, Dave, lead you and Adam on a tour of one of the published campaign settings for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Over the course of this series on Eberron, I'll be breaking down history, lore, settings, populaces, adventures, and player options, while I give some quick insights into the unique monster stats that Wizards of the Coast has provided. Today we're going to cover the northwest section of the continent of Corvair and the nations that are contained there within. So, so everybody, climb aboard the lightning rail and join me as we look into the steampunky world of high adventure as presented in Eberron, Rising from the Last War. Just one century ago, the kingdom of Galifar spanned most of Corvair. Of course, we never tamed the lands beyond the Greywall Mountains or the jungles of the east. Nevertheless, it was impressive, this kingdom of humanities. Now I look at the map of Corvair with a touch of despair. Galifar lies shattered, the five nations irreparably divided. So many new realms claim sovereignty, kingdoms of elves and goblins. And what of this nation of monsters called Drome? Can it last? Or will another war fracture us further? Should I dwell on such things when the morning might simply consume us all? Gods, how I fear the future. I wanted to start this as a quote from someone that lives in Corvair. His name is Lyrian Das, and he is a scholar at the Morgrave Institute. Now, Morgrave is kind of the big university in Corvair. But it really, that one quote there, gives you a feeling for how the world has changed even in one lifetime. Things are not the same as they once were. So, on this episode, what I wanted to do was break down some of these nations and regions of Corvair. I've got five of them for you today, and I want to start with the first one called Aondair. Okay? Okay, sorry. Aondair? Aondair? And there it was, right there. And there it was, all right. Okay, A-U-N-D-A-I-R. On there. On there. Get on there. Get on there, this train, and let's go for a ride. Yep, okay. All right. Can you do that whole opening speech again in that voice? Hey there, and welcome to the second episode of (laughs) Torn the Multiverse. No, 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 okay. I changed my mind. Fuck. All right, go back to this. (laughs) Never thought I'd say this, but I liked your voice better the way it was. Yeah, right? Uh, so anyways, Undare. Undare. You, this is gonna... I know, I fucked you up. I'm, I'm glad we're dealing with this first, because, you know, let's we, just get this out of the way. Yeah. Alright? Uh, it was one of the original five nations of Galifar. Right. Okay? Uh, it has since split up into other nations with the Treaty of Thronehold. Uh, but this was one of the five. And its purpose in the five was, uh, mainly to be farmland. Okay, this is where a lot of the farmland... This is your rural area then? Yes, but... Okay. This is also where the Arcane Congress is. Okay? Of course. Right, silly me. The Arcane Congress is like the magic school in Corvair. People come from all nations to study at the Arcane Congress, which is in a city called Arcanix. Okay? It's Hogwarts. No. Arcanix, the city, is a farming community... 
And I mean, their main purpose is to supply the arcane okay. congress. All right, hold on. So this is one of those one of those places where like the locals the locals can't stand those college kids keep coming into town to like cast their magic and drink their beer every Friday night. Yeah, except the college is floating towers. Of course. That are chained to the ground. Naturally, yes. Uh, as is tradition. As is, as is tradition. Right. But, I mean, it's not just a school. This is a research facility as well. Uh, the Congress also advises the Andarian Queen on all things that are magical. And, and like I said, this is, this is the hub of magic. If you want to be a powerful wizard, a sage, or an artificer, this is where you learn it. Okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta focus on then. You said Ondarian Queen. So this this area has a monarch. All of the nations do. All right. So there's no councils or dem- democracies or presidents or any of that stuff. There's no warlords or they're all monarchs. They're all by their bloodline. Because we see a lot of that with dragon marks, right? Which we'll talk about later. But bloodline is very important in Eberron. Uh, yes, but. Okay. All okay. right. Fair. Yeah. So yes, but there are some additional considerations. Sometimes. Yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about another one here that is not a monarch. Okay, they have one, but it's 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 not. We'll, we'll get there. It's the Queen of England level of monarch. No. Okay, so they're not immortal. It would no. It would be like the King of the Vatican. The King of the Vatican. Yeah, I all know right, that. Sure. Yeah, just, all right. we'll just, get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, magic is a way of life in Undare. All right, that's that's the way it is. Every city has what's called a cleansing stone, which is one of these magical items that you'll find in the book. Okay. Uh, essentially, you walk up to it. It's in the middle of town. You touch it, and bam, you're clean. It just has permanent prestidigitation cast upon it. Essentially. As, essentially, it gets rid of the dirt. It gets rid of the grime. It's it's. Oh, uh, we need to freaking send Dan there. Undarians are a clean people, and they like being a clean people. Dan is a dirty person, and he likes being a dirty person. Yeah, but that's a different kind of dirty. Right. That's the Terry kind of dirty. Right. They are touching a lot. I can understand how they could get dirty. Uh, the other thing that you're going to find it on in Undare. In Undare. In Undare, Undare, Undare. Yeah. Uh, is because it's farm, but it's magic, you're going to find automated farming equipment, which is really friggin' cool, because you don't get this level of technology in most other campaign settings. No, that's neat. I like that. Okay, so these farms can really run themselves, to a point. I mean, they still need people, but you are going to have these arcane machines, essentially. I like that. No, I, I really like that. I like the idea of there being a lot of different ones as well. You could, like... Make even random tables for which ones are doing different things. And you're walking through the rural land, and you can see you could, yeah, you could go farm to table on this. Yes, and and there are lots of tables in the book for you to use. Okay, okay. Now there, there's a lot of espionage that goes on in Corvair. Yes. Okay. All these nations are vying for power. They're they were great, but now they're not. So and there's religions as well, and factions, and there's lots going on. There are so under has what are called the Noble Eyes. They're the the spy faction, the Ondarian spies, okay? Uh, They also have Eldritch Knights called the Knights Arcane, uh, who, I mean, they practice divination magic. They're paladins, okay? So you don't just have wizards and artificers. Do, Do they practice divine or divination? Like, is it... Divination magic, specifically. Okay, all right. Okay, so... You could be a paladin. Not not they are paladins. They could be paladins. They're like Knights Templar, though, right? Like they're... Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Now, it's also rumored that many of the Undarian houses came to power through secret pacts 
with specifically Archfey. So maybe you have a lot of warlock houses here as well. I mean, that that's kind of just some flavor, but you can add whatever you want to that. This, yeah, that's really cool. This is the first time that I've ever heard Fey mentioned in Eberron. Oh, wait for it. Okay. okay. All right. Yep. There is more. Okay. If you remember, the last war started when King Jarrett Irwinarn died, and there was no clear successor. But the Five Nations, which Undare was one, is one. Eh, no, it's 12 now, so was one. Was it? Yeah, is, is, was. 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 Okay, yeah. was. Their queen, their monarch, uh, her name is Queen Orala Irwinarn. Okay, so directly related. Yeah, she's part of the Wynarn bloodline. But they go by Irwinarn. Spell, spell Ear. So... In the book, you'll actually, it's quite specific, lowercase i-r, apostrophe, capital, w-y-n-a-r-n, ear Wynarn. Gotcha. Uh, and she holds court in the capital city of Fairhaven. Now, Fairhaven is supposed to be one of the most beautiful cities in Eberron. It features displays of magical light as well as arcane-enhanced architecture. Yeah, you got a magic college nearby. You're going to get some of the benefits. Right? Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, now, Amdare and Thrain, which were two of the original five, were bitter rivals during the last war. And they actually share a border. Amdare is kind of in the middle north of the continent. And Thrain is kind of sandwiched between Amdare and the Mornland, kind of right in the center of Corvair. So okay. they fought a lot. Um, during the war, Thrain occupied and still holds the ancient Andarian city of Thaloist, okay? And the Andarians are still pissed about this. Okay, so this is your this is your standard, like, Jerusalem. Everyone's arguing about who gets to have the Holy Land. Sort of. There's good and bad, but we'll get there. Okay. The Eldeen Reaches, uh, they succeeded from Andar uh, about halfway through the, the last war. And the reason that they broke away, uh, the reasons they cited were high taxes and neglect. So they were kind of feeling that they were getting taken advantage of from Andare and they weren't really being as protected as they were. Because you got to keep in mind the Eldine Reaches border upon the Demon Wastes. Okay? So they felt that all of the Andarian so, resources so, were going to so, the war. So hold on. Corvair, just because no one can see the map. I'm trying not to look at the map so I get it in my head. Um, Corvair is a great big freaking huge continent. Um Andare is at the top of it, almost in the center, and then just west of it, so to the left, is the Eldine Reaches, and it's kind of like a bigger area. Yeah, uh, the Eldine Reaches are mainly farmland and forest, okay? We'll get into the Eldine Reaches here in a little bit, and we, we're going to cover But on today. the other side of that is the Demon Wastes. Correct, and that's, okay. and then uh, past that's the ocean, right? Like that's Okay, so Demon is. Wastes are on the edge of the continent, and Undare is supposed to protect the Eldine Reaches. Well, they it was part of Undare until they seceded because Undare was focusing their fight with Thrain, which is just southwest. Sure. yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, and of course, the the Eldine reaches separating really pissed off the Undarians. This is their land; they want it back. Okay, yeah. But the Treaty of Thronehold was signed, so they're kind of forced to live with what's happened. Sure, they don't like it, but it's happened. You look at Undare; they've got problems brewing in the southwest and the north. Sorry, 
southeast where Thrain is and the northwest where the Eldine reaches from, are. From their perspective. Like, they're the, there's yeah. Even though it's, peace has happened, the treaty has been signed, there's still some there's shit tension. going on. Yeah. I mean, they specifically have the noble eyes. They have their espionage group. Now, also to the northeast, there's Karnath. And like there's there's other places that border here, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, Undarians as a whole think of the Eldine reaches as a renegade nation. Okay. Okay. Now, Thrain. Sure. Down to the southeast. Okay. Well, not the actual southeast of the continent, but southeast of... Ondaria. On, on. Yeah, Thrain is kind of right in the middle. Of the continent. Yeah, they don't... Okay. They've got some access to water, but they're not on the coast. Okay? Gotcha. Thrain is a religious stronghold. Okay? Again, it's also one of the original five nations. So, during the last war, the Queen of Thrain, Queen Diani Irwinearn, again, original nation, it's a Wynearn. Sure. yeah. Uh, she decided to step aside and to allow the Church of the Silver Flame to take control and rule at that time. Just to call back to the last episode, the Silver Flame is what the Celestials and Dragons used to bind the Overlords and and Kyber and aspects of Kybar in Dragon Shards. Yes. Okay. Uh, so this Church of the Silver Flame, it's going to pop up quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, since she gave up power... Thrain has been run as a theocracy. The current head of state is an 11-year-old girl named Jayla Daran. She is known as the Keeper of the Flame. She is essentially the Pope to the Church of the Silver Flame. But because she's so young, the nation's business is mainly conducted by the Council of Cardinals, right? So you can see where you had mentioned, oh, is there, are they all monarchies? No, there's the king, right, yeah, okay, but it's not. Sure. It, I like the level of complication here because you can do a straight up radically different D&D level story here that you're not going to get out of Forgotten Realms. Yeah, and you don't even have to leave Thrain to do it. You don't even have to leave Aeondair to do it. You can do it all in the Eldine Reaches. You can do it all in the Lazar Principalities. Yeah, you can do each it. one is radically different, right? which is uh, lo- loads of fun. Uh, yeah. Or you can use the crazy airships, lightning rails to get around and blah, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, anyways, back to Thrain. So, magic and faith, as I'm sure you've noticed, are a large part of daily life. Uh, the Church of the Silver Flame is a militant faith. They have an army. Oh, good. That has never gone poorly for anyone ever. Yeah. Uh, th- this actually has worked out fairly well for the citizens of Thrain because it means that most of the cities are built around strongly fortified churches. The idea of the Undarians attack, for instance, everybody goes into the giant fortified church. It's it, it actually works out quite well for the people. It's it's not so bad. Uh, the queen stepping aside to allow the the church rule. It's worked it, out all right. It's not so bad. Okay, that that must make her popular with some. Now, I mean, not everybody in Thrain follows the Church of the Silver Flame. Sure. Right, but regardless, they're there. They're big uh, and. Their heart, their, the, their spiritual heart of Thrain is their capital city, which is called Flamekeep. It's a massive fortress of a city. So I got to ask, did she step aside and let, well, this 11-year-old would, would have been in power? Did she knowingly put a child in power? Or does it get into that at all? Like, was it, was it ancestors or the previous Keeper of the Flame or whatever it was? So Thrain has always been a religious stronghold. Yeah. Okay. And she stepped aside halfway through. The war happened. And she decided that she wasn't doing a good job and stepped aside and let the militant faith... And the faith then chose an 11-year-old. She didn't say, everybody follow this child. The kid's 11. 
Yeah. She gave it up halfway through the Hundred Year wouldn't, War. Would not even so have alive. Gotcha. This gotcha. is the next okay. All right. Keeper of the Flame. So she's elderly then. Uh, uh yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. But right. I mean, I think of the Keeper as like the Dalai Lama, right? When one dies, the next one yep. arrives. This yeah, yeah, one yeah. Is, cool. happens to be an eleven-year-old girl. Cool. All right. Okay. Uh, and this Keeper of the Flame lives in Flame Keep, and that's where the Council of Cardinals meet. Right. That is the most like I, I understand that, and we see this in fantasy all the time, but that shit drives me nuts. The Keeper of the Flame lives in Flame Keep. That's like Adam's house is House Adam. Like fuck off. Uh, yeah, you're... Look, I, I get it. I understand it, and and we, let's not complicate it with too many nonsense words. We need to be pretty straightforward. I'm fine with it, but, ah, God, that just drives me nuts. I hear you. You're not wrong. So, another little bit of history here, or, or geography, not history. Uh, out right in the middle of the continent, there is a big body of water that comes down into the middle of the continent, okay? And it is called Scions Sound. Now, is this kind of like, um... Like Hudson's Bay coming down to North America? No, this is very narrow and and. Long. So it's like an Amazon River almost. Yeah, but Scion Sound is the big area. Like there's areas in it. Um, at one point it kind of branches off into four different directions, and right in the middle is an island, and that island is Thronehold. Don't worry, we'll get there. But this is. But this is a massive river. This is not something that you just. <clears throat> yeah, this you don't swim across. This. This is probably not. This even... is the English Channel. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. Okay. We're, we're talking ferries, not bridges. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but you have to know that because the next. A major landmark in Thrain is the city of Shadukar. Okay? Not to be confused with Shadokai, which are a kind of elves from the freaking Shadow Belt. Yes. Right. Correct. So, so, sorry, say it again. Shadukar. Shadukar. Okay? Now, Shadukar was known as the Jewel of the Sound. That's why it was important to know the sound, the Scion Sound. Okay? Sure. This was the beautiful city on the bank of the giant body of water. Okay? Yeah. This- and this thing does look like a huge-ass river, right? Yeah. And remember where I said we're kind of split four ways? Yeah. So to the southwest is Thrain. To the southeast is the Mornland. To the northeast is Karnath. And to the northwest is Aundare, except for that city that, yeah, that, that Thrain had taken yeah, from. Yeah, their ancestral city. that Ancient city yeah. that they had taken and they went back. So that's on the north. West sure. as well. Okay. So you kind of got a good... And right in the smack dab in the middle is Thronehold. Okay? Yeah. So you, you need to know that that's how it works. Uh, because this city is now in ruins. And that was because the invading forces from Karnath during the last war, which, by the way, Karnath was another of the original five nations. Sure. Um, they came in to Shadukar and, I mean, they fucked it up. They, were, they smashed up the place? They did. Uh... But when they left, they didn't take their people with them. The thing that you need to know that's relevant here is that the Car- Karnath, the Karnathi, used the undead as soldiers. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. So as you can tell, probably you've put this together, that pisses off the... The religious order. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So this area, Shadukar, I mean, it's said to be haunted by ghosts of the people of Thrain as well as the remaining undead that were left behind by Karnath. Okay? Yeah. That's... Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you can do a lot with this. This can be used in so many different ways. Your paladins can go in here and cleanse the area and so on, right? Yeah. Thrain is not happy. This still creates tension between Thrain and Karnath, as does the city Thaloist. Thaliost? 
Theloist? Uh, that is Theliost. Theliost. Well, it, I mean, I-O-S, I was thinking moist. Yeah, but that's O-I, not I-O. Oh, I'm just illiterate. Yes. Yes. Now, we already kind of touched on a little bit. Uh, it was seized from Andair during the last war. Uh, the people that live there are still, I mean, they were born Andarians, and they're not really happy about this occupation. However, because the Church of the Silver Flame is a religion, there are followers of the faith from Aeondair who flock to this area to kind of be closer to God. I like the dichotomy of that. That's going to be an interesting thing for players to have to deal with. Yeah, so you've got a lot of Andarian sympathizers that work for the people of Thrain, but you also have the difference between them. The last thing that's really important about Thrain is that uh, they have a large feeling of disdain for other people. Like I said, the Carnathi use the undead. So normally when something goes wrong, the people of Thrain are quick to blame the Carnathi. Would you say they're racist? I'm trying, okay, look, I'm going back to the overlord that I was talking about last time, who was like in the hearts of everyone who doesn't like a different peoples, right? And like, I think that that's where this comes from. This, this strife between nations. Yeah, the regionists. Yeah, okay, not racist necessarily, but, but yeah, nationalists. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I mean, the, these decades of theocratic rule have really turned them into a solid community that really has them kind of looking over their shoulders at all time. They've really kind of become paranoid of other people coming in. Yeah. You're allowed to, but they don't like it. Yeah. Any questions? No, that seems pretty straightforward. I like the council. It seems a little crazy. I like that there's a nationalist little girl that runs it that's weird. So uh, uh, she's just a figurehead. She doesn't do anything. No, I know, but that's that's fun and weird. Or and does she? <gasps> no, probably not. No, probably not. Okay. All right. Uh, so we've discussed Thrain and Undare. Let's go to the Eldine Reaches. Okay. The other side of Undare. The other side. Yeah. So these are in the northwest region. Uh, so the Eldine Reaches were the agricultural heart of Undare. Okay. Until about 50 years ago, when the farmers kind of had a little bit of an uprising and separated from Andair and formed their own nation because they were feeling butthurt about not... We're not going to take it anymore! So the, the, the western side of the Eldine Reaches are covered by an area called the Towering Wood, okay? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, now, the Towering Wood is <laughs> a big, giant... Yep. ...forest. Okay. Uh, and Someone needs to cut that back a bit then. So the people that were feeling slighted joined up with the people that live in the Towering Wood. Uh, and basically most of them are druidic circles. Okay. Okay, so this is where you're going to get your druids from. Sure. So we did Andair, that's where you get your mages and stuff. Thrain's where you get your paladins. The Eldine Reaches is where you're going to get rangers and druids. Gotcha. Okay. So the biggest druidic circle, the Warden of the Woods, they kind of came down and took the people of Aeondair that were forgotten under their wing and helped them. Now, the, the Towering Woods also, because they're a part of the Eldine Reaches, they're what actually borders the Demon Wastes. You don't hear a lot of druid versus demon. Everybody thinks thinks cleric, but I like that it, it's still divine magic. You're not necessarily going to. Oh. Okay? You will, but not. you don't have to. It's not that embedded into the story. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, like I said, the Eldine Reaches were cemented as a nation through the Treaty of Thronehold. The Andarians tried to take it back. They think it's theirs. 
but I mean, this just creates little occasional border skirmishes, but nothing real. Okay. Sure. The towering wood is just a vast <laughs> untamed forest. Okay. There aren't cities per se, but there are areas where people gather now. Like Entmoot? Yes. Actually, we're going to get into that in a minute. Oh, fuck. So this also isn't just a place for druids and rangers, but this is also where you're going to find shifters, which is our first real mention of one of the new races in Aberon. Shifters are a wild creature. These are very much wild lands. Okay. Now, of course, as most of you know, druids are a spiritual people. The leader of their spiritualness... Spirituality? Is that the word you're looking for? No, I'm going to go with spiritualness. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. The leader, the, the spiritual leader of the Eldine Reaches is the great druid Olian. And he is an awakened great pine. Is he now? He is. That is fucking amazing and I love it. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. No, I'm all over that. That's, that's fucking, yeah, I'm into it. So he lives in Greenheart. Okay, mm-hmm. which is the capital of the Eldine Reaches. But again, like I said, it isn't really a city. Uh, it's a grove where this arch druid resides. Uh, all of the druidic circles send emissaries to Greenheart when important matters are to be discussed. But, I mean, he's really just kind of there on his own. This is, like you said, the Entmoot. This is an area, but it happens to be the capital as well. Make sense? Yep. So the unexplored forests, because there's lots of them in here, uh, are said to house uh, relics from an age that has been long forgotten. Okay? There are demonic artifacts, and rumor has the Delkir. Wow, okay. Now the Delkir, again, these are the Lords of Madness. These are aberration superpowers. These guys are above Tier 4 play. Yeah, so you were going to find them in an area of forest let's keep the giggles down oh uh called the gloaming cool okay now this is a region i'm just gonna say it, of the towering woods <laughs> that has a strong <laughs> tie to the sinister plane of mabar okay now this yeah, is sinister plane of my bar let's go to mabar yep it's under there yeah if you want to see a towering wood i'll show you my bar jesus christ uh but so this is the first one of the other planes that we've come across. Uh, and again, these are supposed to be linked to each other. So maybe there's portals that go between them. I don't know. You decide. But the, I decide uh, yes. The idea is that this area, the gloaming, uh, it, it's filled with negative energy, undead, and other primal creatures. This feels like a link to the Shadowfell. It could be. But let me tell you about the other part of the Towering Wood, the base. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's the balls. No, 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 no. no. I'm, oh, okay. I'm still kidding. Okay. Uh, so the Fae are abundant in okay. the Towering Wood. All right. Okay. And there's really situated an area called the Twilight Demon. Sorry, spelled Demon. D-E-M-E-S-N-E. Okay. Okay. Now, the Twilight Demon has strong ties to the fairy court of Thelanus, which is, again, one of the 13 planes. So we don't have the Feywild anymore. We have the fairy court of, what is it? Thelanus. Thelanus. Okay, all right. Okay, 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 okay. cool. So this area is also home to the city of Rose and Thorn, which is ruled by the King of Summer, who is a powerful archfey. Oh, weird, weird note. When you do the campaign for, for Curse of Strahd, right, you go into Death House, and right at the beginning of it, you meet two people there, two children that are like pulling you into Death House, and their names are Rose and Thorn. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. There's a weird little crossover there. The other thing I like about this is this gives us an area that, remember the houses of Ander made pacts with the Archfey? Yeah. This gives you where the Archfey are. Yeah, that's cool. I like okay, that. Okay, they're, they're still in the same. They were part of Ander, but they're not anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Now they're under over there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. <clears throat> and I mean, that's really what the Eldian Reaches are. It's just a big fucking forest with some farmland. But it's like a super forest. With some magic powers and... Yeah, weird shit going on. Yeah, inside. cool. I like it. I okay. love that. That's cool. And it feels very Celtic. It's very Druidic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and I, I like that we have a nation that isn't really built on cities. Yeah. No, I'm all over that. I think I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 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 your feel for that. I, I could, in theory, get barbarians from here. I know that there are other places around to grab barbarians in Eberron. However, I it's not really outside of the realm of possibility that there would be a tribe or two in the Eldian reaches. Oh no, of course not. Yeah. Right. You're you're going to find a lot of different Your naturalist. Yeah. yeah, and I mean because it was part of Aondare, you're probably gonna have pockets of magic. Yep. Right. Um so the next one I wanted to talk about was Thronehold. We have said the word Thronehold a bunch. Okay. Thronehold was Now it's called Throneheld? No. Okay. It's Throne Holding. Gotcha. So King Galifar I, the guy that built the kingdom of Galifar, mm-hmm. named it after himself, really narcissistic, um, he realized that he couldn't rule from one nation because that would kind of make the others think that this one's the favorite, okay? Yeah. So he took this island in the middle of Sion Sound and he built a giant castle and called it Thronehold. Now, outside of Thronehold, there is a port city called Throne port. Throne port, gotcha. Okay, you were going to say port throne, weren't you? I was. Yeah. Uh, they, they switched it up on you. Fuck. Super original. Yeah. Uh, so anyways. That's some good fucking writing right there. Wasn't it? Yeah. Then, so, then again, I don't bitch about there being a port land on either one of the freaking American coasts. Well, there's not so. a land port. <laughs> anyways, continue. Anyways, anyways. Uh, so when the, the, the last war started... Thronehold was essentially abandoned. This is where Jarrett Irwinarn would have ruled from. Uh, but again, there was no clear succession. I assume this point. is where he died as well. Uh, you know, it, I, I, don't, I, didn't, it, I didn't come across that specifically, but I would assume as much. Sure. This is the seat of Galifar. This is where Galifar is ruled from. This is where the five nations come together. Like I said, it's right in the middle of the sound where you had... The sound uh, is... Thrain, Ander, um, Karnath... And Sire, before it was the Mornland, are all bordering this area. Sure. Right? Okay. Uh, Breland's a little more to the southwest, so it's not quite, but it's yeah. it's there in, in spirit. Or when Jarrod died, uh, the throne was vacated. And this let... So we're, now we're going to bring up one of the houses, okay? House Deneath. They left guards to protect the castle, and they are known as the Throne Wardens. Sure. Okay? We're going to get into the houses later. Okay? Yeah. But they're the ones that are protecting this stronghold. And they don't let people in. Okay? Thronehold is closed. The treaty has been signed. It's done. There are the Throne Wardens looking after it, and that's it. There's no one actually occupying it. Just the Wardens. Why? No one knows. Nobody knows. Plot hook. Right? There you go. Uh, now, there is the port city of Throneport, you know, right on the island with them. And when... I'm pretty sure they're still trying to clear the king's, like, browser history, and that's what the problem is oh. here. So Throneport, uh, it's a kind of hotbed for crime, uh, dissidents, spies, and mercenaries. This is where the shitty people of Corvair congregate. Uh, the, the monarch died. This is an area that wasn't governed by one 
nation. So it's kind of an... It's a free-for-all. I mean, the Throne Wardens are there. So Throneport has kind of turned into, like I said, a hotbed of espionage, essentially. The the treaty, though, of Thronehold solidified the port as a multinational capital. You with me? Yeah. So it used to be for shitty smugglers and dissidents and so on. But now this is the place. It's it's the neutral ground where everybody can meet. So you got shitty people in neutral ground. So again, the espionage is just running wild here. Yeah, okay. It's crazy. There's a lot of espionage in Eberron, so I'm glad that it's not just the one nation. No. Just on there, like there are there are places around. You're you're gonna get into shit. This is Casablanca. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh now the city is under control of a coalition of forces. Uh, and they are from the four nations, Aondair, Brayland, Karnath, and Thrain. All they're missing is Sire from the original five, but sure, as but, you know. Yeah, we're in mourning. Yeah, and, and, and that's really all they give you about Thronehold. Sure, I like that. That opens it up to a lot of roguey shit to, going on there as well. Yeah, that's, so, that's a great idea. Yeah. Some scoundrels. Who are you calling scruffy looking? You. Oh. Uh, the last one that I want to deal with today uh, was up on the northwest side of the continent, and that is the Demon Wastes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now... That's what happens after we talk, Bell. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oof! <laughs> so, the Demon Wastes are separated from, I'll just say it for you again here, Adam, the Towering Wood <laughs> and, and the Eldine Reaches by the Icehorn Mountains, Shadow Crags, and the stone cage. Okay? So there is a large natural barrier that separates the demon wastes from the rest of Corvair. In addition to these natural barriers, there are also magical barriers that have extremely strong wardings that keep the fiends here. Now, is this from Ondair? They they put these up, or is this like... Okay. Remember, remember the the demons and the aberrations came and took over the goblin kingdom. Yeah, and, and the it dragons got pushed and, back. Okay, so dragons and celestials put this up. No, they defeated the overlords. Right. Okay, and then there was the goblin empire, which was taken over by mind flayers and other aberrations, and they got pushed back. And now we've got Galifar. So I would imagine. I uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but King Galifar may have united the people to push them back. Uh, and created all the strong wardings to keep the demons here. This could also probably be your physical location to get down into the Underdark. Yeah, okay, that makes a certain amount of sense as well. It doesn't have to be. But it, it's kind of built into it a little bit. Yeah, it, it's strongly it, implied. It makes the most sense, okay? However, there is one way to get out of the demon wastes and into the rest of Corvair, and that is through the Labyrinth. Ooh. Okay, now the labyrinth is exactly what it sounds like. A maze. Here comes the minotaur. Man, is a corn maze, like, supposed to be a play on maze corn and corn being maze in span, like? Yes. Is that, I just put that together. Did you just put that together? Dave, we literally built a corn maze once. Yeah, I know. We literally, we, we literally took corn to a haunted, like, event. And built a corn maze with corn stalks. It was so rotten by week two. Oh my god, it was outdoors and it just rained the whole fucking time. But, this this is the first time I heard that joke. That, that was 2008, and you're just cluing in oh now. Oh my god, I'm disappointed in myself. As you should. Anyways, be. this labyrinth. 
Labyrinth. Uh, it is guarded by an ancient order of orcs. <laughs> Fucking okay. what? Okay. All right. And they are called the Gashkala. They're Klingons. The Gashkala. 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 Yeah. Ooh, I'll have a crab juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the Gashkala is made up of multiple tribes of orcs. Okay. Okay. And they are sworn to protect the realms of men, essentially, from the demons. They are supposed to not let things come through the labyrinth. That's their purpose. Cool. So they follow, the Gashkala, follow the ways of the binding flame, which has its roots in the Church of the Silver Flame. Of course, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, again, like we said, thousands of years ago, Corvair was ruled by fiends, and the demon wastes held the seats of of power for many of the most powerful archfiends. There were cities occupied by Rakshasa, demons and devils, uh, but now only one city remains, Ashtakala. Ashtakala is an ancient demon city, and it's, 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 it's made of basalt and brass. Okay. Okay. Uh... The dangers of this place are so perilous that most other details have kind of fallen into legend. Nobody really knows about it. Nobody visits this. This is not somewhere that you can easily go to. In addition to Ashtakala, 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 Ashtakala. In addition, there are various portals that also lead to demi-planes um, that are kind of sprinkled around. Yeah, okay. No, that just tracks with, with Dungeons and Dragons. It's not like you have your 13 planes of existence. Then, I don't know, demi-planes. So we can just tell stories over here, too. Yeah, but there's like there's just random portals. Like, order demi-plane A. Yeah, right? well, that just sounds like uh, like just chaos, right? Which is... That's what the demon, demon waste. Demon waste, yeah. Honestly, when I, when I was reading about the demon waste, I was thinking a lot of Avernus. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. That makes a lot of sense. You could pervert it. I know that the infernal uh, machines are devils and diabolical magic. Devils are here too. Oh, it's all fiends. It's devils and demons and everything. They just call it the demonic, the demon wastes. Just, oh, okay, no, cool. All okay. right. Yeah, that's cool. So I like that. I I feel like you could have these infernal machines running around on soul coins. Absolutely. You, like, and it makes perfect sense in the steampunky realm of Eberron. Make it your own. Yeah, cool. Okay. You're also likely to run across carrion tribes. These are essentially tribes of adventurers who were twisted by the evil in the realm and put into service by one of the archfiends. Oh, I thought they were just keeping common carrying on. I know. No, okay. You're wrong. Now, the 12, or I mean 13 if you want to get technical, nations of Corvair have ventured into the demon wastes. You can sail there, okay? House Tharashk, okay, one of the other houses. Um, These are dragon dragon mark houses. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that later. Yeah, I know, later. just for, for context. Though. We've already talked about House Deneath. This is another one. Okay. Uh, House Tharashk, uh, they have set up a port in the south of the Demon Wastes. And they're there in hope of extracting the dragon shards out of the region. Okay. Okay. The idea is that this city has lasted... For an unusually long time. And nobody really knows why it's still able to stay there. Now, is it standing or is it magical? Like, like there's there's a populace or is it just like a big abandoned city? It No, it's a port city. Like, this is where, like, ships come in. It's called Blood Crescent, okay? Of course it is. Uh, but, I mean, it's there are people that live there. Like, the, the house sends their agents there to extract dragon shards from the land and ship them back. 
to Corvair. Yeah. Right? To the, or to the rest of Corvair. Um, now, a lot of people think that the city is going to be doomed, much like the city in the north. Okay? Now, the city on the north part of the Demon Wastes, where Corvarians, Cor- Corvarines, Corvarians, Corvarians, uh, where, where, the, the, where they settled in the north is a city, but now it just kind of goes by the name of Desolate. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, this is where we want a vacation in the summer with the children. Uh, no, probably not. It would probably be short-lived. And now, it has been settled three times. Mm. Okay? The first one was an Andarian settlement called Greenholt. The next one was called Newholt, and it was an hermitage that belonged to Thrain. Okay. So, like a religious outpost that belonged to yep. Thrain. Lastly, it came under the control of House Lirandar, which is another one of the houses, and it was called Kaimar's Folly. There's not a lot that's known about these er- about this what's now called Desolate, except for all three times it was settled, it had the same fate. The people simply vanished. Overnight, in one night, all of the people in the city disappeared, leaving all of their possessions behind. So this is kind of a, uh, what is it, the Roanoke Colony, right? Exactly. Cool. Times three. Times three. Yes. Cool. I love it. That's just rich with story. I love that. That's amazing. You can do a lot with this. Yeah, that's cool. Right? Again, there's also landmarks on here. The Ash Beacon, the Lake of Fire. Like, there's there's a lot you can do. I'm only just hitting the cliff notes. Yeah, uh, this is this is fantastic. I would I could drop the entirety of the Demon Wastes into a homebrew campaign. Oh, certainly. Just, just the way that it is now. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so it's an it's a mimic podcast. We roll initiative on it. So, Dave, I want to know what is the one part of what we've talked about today that you're like, hey, that is rife for adventure. Or inspiration. What's the thing that stands out to you? Your favorite part of what we've talked about today. Let's roll. Let's grab our dice and we'll roll. Eight. I got a five. There's a lot. I don't know. There's not one thing I want to pick. You have to start picking one. You you copped out in the last episode. Don't get to do it again. The thing that I really like about this is it gives... I didn't do a lot of planar shifting in my campaigns. I have a little bit playing with you guys on the Tuesday night group. Yeah. But that's really the majority of what I've done. I haven't done a lot. And there seems to be a lot of it here. And we're only covering a quarter of the continent. Yeah, it really does feel like a planar hub, right? Like, there's a lot of shit going between Feywild over here, and we've got the Religious Order over there. Yeah, and, and you then... can go to Marbar over here. Like, yeah. there's, there's demi-planes. Like, this is just chock full of the opportunity to go somewhere else. Yeah. No, that's that, that's... That's a good point. You don't have to travel too far to get radically different flavor. No, and I mean, that's just planar travel. We haven't even gotten into traveling to the other continents, to the other nations. Like, this is just that one area, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I'm, I'm big on the lower planes in regular D&D, um, in the Forgotten Realms and, and the, the Great Wheel cosmology and whatnot. I love the lower planes because they're just batshit insanity. I feel like everybody phones it in for the upper planes, but the lower planes are just crazy. And so I've got a really solid knowledge about devils and demons and yugalaths and generic fiends and infernal machines and all the rest of that shit. And the, what is it, seven lower planes. So I've got a really solid handle on that. And one of the things that stands out to me is the idea of this labyrinth. And um, one of the things, when, when you think of a labyrinth, you think of a minotaur. There is a demon prince 
named Baphomet, who is essentially a massive minotaur demon who is super powerful and loves to experiment and shit. And he often binds together other life forms and infects life forms and whatnot. And one of the things in regular Forgotten Realms lore, you can find this in Volos, um, is there's a creature called a Tanaruk. And the Tanaruk is an orc who has been quote-unquote blessed by Baphomet and who um, is born as this monstrosity, way stronger than a regular orc. And these things are like captains and leaders and super demon orcs. But they have giant horns like a minotaur would. And they're, and they're, they look like if you had taken some sort of minotaur and an orc and smashed them together and then add some spiny purple lizard to it as well. Like they're, like they're, they're crazy unique creatures. I love the idea of in this world, you having this labyrinth and there are tanarics inside. And the orcs themselves have perverted the demonic um, nature from the demon wastes and created these creatures through their own sciences and whatever, right? And I like the idea of you still being able to adapt. That's the thing that stood out to me. You said there's a labyrinth and orcs are in charge of it. I went, well, holy shit, there's got to be tanarics running around all over the place in there. I think that would be a really, really cool set piece, especially because they're lawful in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, why they're like they're guardians, right, to keep the mortal realms safe. The thing that I really like about Cor, or not just Corvair, but Eberron in general, is it takes the original Forgotten Realms and it makes it different. So you don't need your alignment chart anymore. Doesn't really no, make it's, sense. It's, 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 it's not that. It's you don't need the stuff from the other campaign settings in order to make this work. It's good to do it. You know, make it fresh. Do your own. You know, make it work for you and your guys. But you don't have to. It is completely self-contained if you want it to be. Yeah. And I look, I just think it's a lot of fun. And I like the fact that there's already kind of a monster built specifically for something like this. It just takes a little bit of reflavoring and... uh and maybe a little bit of, of unique additional storytelling. So that's the thing that stood out to me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you take something that already does exist in the Forgotten Realm side of things, and this actually has a home for it now, where it may not have... No, they were just... Things. Yeah, they were just things that sometimes orcs make packs with demons because they're not smart. Yeah, that well, makes sense to me. Okay, so at the end of each one of these uh, episodes, I want to touch on one unique monster stat block that I found really interesting. And for this one, I really wanted to touch on, you said the Fae. Yep. And I went, oh shit, well, you know, we get a new hag in Eberron. And it's called the Dusk Hag. And I absolutely love it because they look, their like skin is red, their fingernails and toenails are long claws, but they've got like these horns that are coming back and sweeping back. They look more, they look closer to the, the Night Hag than, than anything else. But, They've, they've got eyes that burn like hot coals. They see visions of the future in their dreams, and their dark magic allows them to influence the dreams of others. So they're sending messages or inflicting nightmares with merely a touch. And I think that that's badass. Tales talk of ambitious wizards, frantic monarchs, desperate heroes undertaking quests or making bargains with a dusk hag in exchange for prophecies and visions of the future. And I'm sitting here thinking of, of now of, of Thronehold and what's what's in there. I, I love the idea of them protecting a hag that made a deal. Yeah, and kind of lives in the dungeon underneath. Yeah. Uh, they enjoy causing strife 
So, like, I like the idea of, of this hag is super powerful and maybe killed King, King Galif, Galif. The king that died that started the war? Yeah. Jarrett Irwinarn. Galifar was the first one. That's why the kingdom okay. was Galifar. Right, okay. So I like the idea of, of her being involved in his death somehow uh, and that creating this massive war and she just freaking loves it. You get a whole whack of prophecies. There's a D10 table and they're all like really crazy open to your own interpretation. For example, doom falls on the peacock and the sparrow alike. Best be a raven. Naturally. And, uh, and stuff like, if you see two crows turn back, beyond is death. And I really like these really vague prophecies that a DM can, can play with. But they've got a really fun stat block too. Challenge rating six, which is more powerful than some of the others. Um, they're medium creatures, obviously neutral evil. Their AC is 17, and they've got a decent amount of hit points, 15d8 plus 15. Their speed is 30 feet. Um, their dex is a little bit above average. Strength and con is nothing to write home about. But their intelligence, wisdom, and charisma are all high. They've got decent saving throws. Their skills are deception, insight, and perception. So, you know, you're dealing with a diviner. That makes a certain amount of sense. They can't be blinded, charmed, or frightened. They have blind sight up to 60 feet. And passive perception is 16. They speak common, interestingly enough, giant, and infernal. That's Eberron flavor right there for you. Why giant? Because of Zendrix. Well, yeah, but why does Zendrix... Isn't, like, why would a dusk hag... What was the last language they speak? Infernal. Okay, so when the overlords or the army of aberrations that took over Corvair took over Corvair, I'm assuming dusk hags were probably part of that. Yeah. Okay, the global economy would dictate that it would make sense that they would talk to giants because that would be the same time that there was a continent of giants. Okay, all right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just weird. I didn't think that the giant and hag did tend not to go hand in hand. This is a unique one to me. Well, it's Eberron. Yeah, it's Eberron. Uh, they do have some innate spellcasting because, of course, they do. But it's all um, detect magic, disguise self, scrying, dream, hypnotic patterns, sleep, um, and you know things of, of that nature. They've got uh, magical resistance because, of course, they do. Multi-attack, they get two nightmare touches. They also have claw attacks, which are boring. You've got a plus five to hit with a 1d6 plus two slashing damage. But the nightmare touch, plus seven to hit. One creature, you do 4d6 psychic damage. And if the target is unconscious, it takes an extra 3d6 psychic damage and is cursed until the hag dies or the curse is removed. The cursed creature's hit point maximum decreases by five whenever it finishes a long rest. Hmm. Which means you will slowly wither and die. Hmm. This hag, to me, runs in, touches everyone in the party, and then poofs, disappears, and is gone. Yeah. That's scary. That's messed up. Also, they have a reaction called Dream Eater, which is fun. Cool. When an unconscious creature the hag can see within 30 feet of her regains consciousness... The hag can force the creature to make a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. So, pretty good. Unless the save succeeds, the creature takes 2d10 psychic damage, and the hag regains hit points equal to the amount of damage taken. So, in my head, when you wake up, she reaches out and tries to steal or eat whatever it was that you were dreaming about. That's cool. There, there's a lot of dream type stuff. We haven't really touched on any of it so far, but the Kalistar and the Quarry. It's and, a, the race is built on dreams. And monsters, too. Like, there's a whole plane of dreams in, I mean, in D&D. One of the most planes. races are, are built on dreams. Like Formula One. Yes. 
And and the Kentucky Derby. Yes. Is that is that the joke we're making? This entire series, as well as other series on role-playing games, are available on the It's a Mimic feed on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and lots of the other podcast apps, so don't forget to follow or subscribe on whatever app you're listening to. Also, check out the entire library of episodes on www.itsamimic.com, and feel free to support us by hitting that donate button. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic Touring the Multiverse. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook, or you can find me at the subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Adam. And we'll be back with more Eberron information and crazy adventure inspiration next time. Take your money if you already spent it here. Come on down, spend some money, get some deals, get some smiles. We're all happy here. Come on down to Jed's Magnificent Spentorium. Well, 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 if it ain't my two favorite people walking up here. Hopefully you're a little bit heavier this time, hey? Oh, well, I, I, I have some bean juice for you. You got some bean juice for me? Yeah. Already well held. How about this? You give me, uh, uh, how much bean juice do I need to make it through the rest of the day? Oh, about three cups. Three cups of bean juice? No problem. Three cups of bean juice, I'll give you two cups of dragon shards. How does that sound? Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, what in the nine hells do we have behind you here there, nature boy? Oh, probably just some dirt. Oh, my apologies. Personal space is soaked 200 years ago. But what do we have here? Oh, behind your ear, we got a feather token, of course. What? What? Come on, you didn't know about it, and it's like it's been there the whole time. What's a feather token? This token, this token right here, this token might save your life if you fall from great heights. But once this feather is plucked, next fall you'll be shit out of luck. Now I'm not too certain on who removed the head on the Jebediah statue, but I can guarantee that I know that this next item is 100% not stolen city property. Guaranteed. That's, that's good. Alright, now check this out, alright? Found within the thick walls of the wealth-ridden cities, you'll find the ever-so-wondrous Cleansing Stone. About one foot in diameter, this engraved sphere is commonly placed throughout said wealthy cities, alright? Commonly found in plazas, squares, or high-end Galanda inns. With one swift action, this stone removes grunt and grime from the garments and skin of anyone who touches the magical sphere of cleanliness. Bougie at best, but astonishingly rare and valuable. You know, if well-maintained, a great addition to any fucking swingers home. Well, I know that Dave is going to want one. Uh, I, I should probably have one. Yeah, to be you're honest. looking into one, eh? Say, look, it's not always available when you're on your way home with your partner or whoever you may be taking back. You know, maybe a nice little quick trip to the cleansing stone. Get a little cleaned up for the bedroom, huh? Uh, yeah, or, or you know, just in general. Just general cleanliness, eh? Yeah, the, my my friends would probably appreciate it. Yeah, you come out of the bush every three fucking weeks. You don't want to smell like a rat's ass and a fucking mongoose, right? Depends if I'm seeing Dan or not. You're friends with a guy named fucking Dan? Uh, yeah. That's all they could come up with? That's all they could come up with? Three-letter name? Dan? Listen, Jed. <laughs> There's a silent fucking D on that. <laughs> Can we buy this thing or not? Now, look, I'll be honest with you. You're going to have to dig a little deep here for these wondrous treasures, but I'm sure both of you can see the value when it's presented to you. Huh? So let's make a deal, David. Okay. 
Alright, David, look, this is your second time here. I'm kind of growing a little bit of a relationship with you. Tolerable at best right now, but hey, I'll fucking throw you a deal here, okay? 95 gold pieces for one of these spheres. Your girlfriend will thank you forever. 95? I was thinking more like 40, you know, it's, it's not that important to me. I will pay the other 40. I will pay the other 45. It is important to me that you have this. It's a good thing you guys ain't any sort of mathematicians because 40 and 45 is 85. You're still 10 gold piece short, boys. Yeah, but you like us, right? We'll come back in a week. I brought you bean juice. Yeah, you did buy me the bean juice. I do like the boiled bean juice. So far, it's a little buzzy off the beans, you know? Okay, you know what? Just for you, 85 gold pieces. I'll give you one of these fucking spheres, alright? Well, thanks, Jed. Hey, not a problem at all. And you know what? Come back anytime. You know where to find me. You say a week, I'll be here. Alright, what are you gonna have what are you gonna have in a week? Look, I got a shipment coming in next week. Maybe not uh, you know, right up your guys' alley, but if you know any warrior types, you know what I mean. This is gonna be some real hot shit for someone who's right up on that battlefield, so you come on back, okay? Alright, sounds good. See you then. Hey, it's great doing business. We'll talk soon. <laughs>